Hi, everyone. This is Julie Powers. I'm the Senior Director for Patient Advocacy with the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation. Our podcast series, Podcast for Patients, uh, is brought to you in part with the generous support of Celgene Corporation, our presenting sponsor, as well as financial support from patients, families, caregivers, and friends across the United States. We are talking today to a really inspiring person, a, a, a really neat guy named Elliot Weiner, who is coming to us from Massachusetts, and he's going to talk about his journey with being diagnosed with MDS and a pretty recent change in his life. So welcome, Elliot. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, let's get started right away and just explain when did you get diagnosed with MDS or myelodysplastic syndrome? It started with um, a routine blood test last December. Yeah, that's December 2018. And I got a call from my uh, doctor, my primary, saying, um, you should go see a hematologist right away. We'll set you up with an appointment. And I got the appointment um, here locally. And I was in good health, and I had a trip scheduled to Florida, but my neutrals were very low. Mm-hmm. Notwithstanding, I went on the trip. Then they, the doctor, the hematologist, the local hematologist, worked with me for a while and said, you know, I'd really like you to go to uh, Mass General because they're doing some clinical studies and I know a doctor there. And um, I think you're just too healthy and you just don't seem sick enough to be part of our normal routine. And so they sent me into Boston. um, And that was the beginning. Um, And I didn't know I had MDS for a little bit of time. I just knew it was low neutrophils, but they said it was MDS and they were worried about it. Uh, and they put me on a clinical trial, and the clinical trial with was the normal chemo, which is I guess by days or is one of them. Right. And, and then they had a, um, a a trial drug with a funny name that they were trying. And as I continued that, they do biopsies, and all of a sudden, I had a questionable biopsy that was close to that 20 criteria, 20% blast. Right. And and they said, well, I'm not sure you're AML, but then all of a sudden I was up in the mid-40s, like a few a month or so later. Wow. And they said, this, this isn't working. Um, now, there's something very interesting about how you introduced me. Sure. Because uh, you said that you said that you're being sponsored by Celgene. We are. And Celgene um, went into an agreement with a local company called Adios in, in Cam- out of Cambridge. I mm. believe they're out of Cambridge. Yes, they are. And Adios had come up with a treatment for IDH1 and IDH2 um, mutations. Right. Those are mutations in MDS. It, right. So in through the miracle of medicine today, they were able to do a genomic study and they saw that I had IDH2 mutation. So even though my blasts were high, they knew exactly what my problem was. And I went around and started to talk to some of the other doctors, one gentleman, uh, the head of the department over at Dana-Farber, and what's my alternatives? Because this clinical trial isn't working. And I spoke to a gentleman who's um, at Mass General whose wife had worked at IDEOS, and he said, no question, try IDEFA. Well, 
I took this Idefa within a month. They were they were coming and says, "My God, you're in remission." It was unbelievable time frame. Well, that is incredible. We know a lot of our patients who do clinical trials end up with some really incredible results. So uh, there I was, but I was off the clinical trial. They took me off the clinical trial and said, try this here. And sure enough, but then they didn't wait a long time. They said, you know, because you're really faced with this issue. Well, okay, you're in remission. Are you going to stay in remission? And for how long? Right. And, you know, and not being the youngest person in the world, I was 76 at the time. Well, they didn't really ask me. They just scheduled me in, you know, because I asked questions myself, but, and eventually got the inputs. Well, you know, the only known cure we have is the bone marrow transplant. So, and do you want to live a long time? The answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> I got grandchildren and, you know, a lovely wife and everything's going fine. So I, I felt like it was the right decision to make. I don't have other health issues, really. I'm pretty healthy. Other than that, I go to the gym, I exercise and all that. So I, I felt like it was the right decision to make. And so I went into Boston late in June and then, like six days later, I got a transplant. Now, there's more to this story that makes it a miracle. And also, is I should give people a lot of hope. Is they couldn't find a full a full match. You know, and you get a call. However, do you have children? Yes. Turns out that they do hair haplo transplants, and a haplo transplant is a half match. And if any nurses or people you talk to, it's very successful. So sure enough, and all my children were so generous, and they any all of them the three I had three boys, and they all said, "Let me, let me get on you, let me try," and they very carefully um, were tested, and all this testing is done anonymously through Be the Match. Right. And so Be the Match did the testing. And my youngest son, which was the preference of the doctor, if possible, was chosen. And so he uh, he came up to my house. Maybe a, he was out of New York, and he came up here about a week before the actual transplant day. And they would give him, oh, I forget the name of the. You probably know the name of the drug, but they give this drug that you they implant you with to increase your blood supply. Sure. Yeah, so he had a shot every day. It didn't really bother him. He'd go in the Boston and get the shot. Um, and then on, I think it was the, was it, you know, was it the fifth day? They did the, the fifth day, they um, did the, um, they actually did the extraction. And he, and he had, this is kind of difficult. You have to sit on a couch for like six hours. The bo- it looks like you're at the Red Cross. You know how they, you see the blood machines where sure. the blood comes out one side and goes back in the other? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what happened here. So the blood was, um, he, had the, he had this happening. When he was done, he had very little pain, ache from it. They said you might have some aches, but he really didn't seem to be a problem. And, he, you know, he came back home, back to my house at the time. And then, and turned out he gave, he ended up donating twice as many um, bone uh, what do they call them? The stem cells is was needed. So here I was. So the next day, 
yeah, you know, hey, if the son was very successful, everything is good, and we're going to give, you, give it to you. The actual transplant is very short. It's only like about 30 minutes. So um, after your train, yeah. how long were you in the hospital after transplant? Um, well, the transplant was on my sixth day, and I was there 29 days. You were in and out quickly, sir. <laughs> Compared to a lot of our patients, that was that. Is that right? Yes, sir. A lot of our patients, they can be in the hospital up to up up to the hundred days. Oh my goodness! Well, it, it, there's no complications, then 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 it's then you're out faster. It, it is really I, I was very fortunate. Um, I only had one transplant, uh, one uh, infusion. Okay. Uh, um, and that was for platelets. So no regular blood, just platelets. Wow. Once. They watched. They watched me. Mm-hmm. I was fine. This doctor that I told you about that t- kind of pushed, you know, told me about you should do the ID for no question about it. He also was an active participant on uh, where I was, and he said, you know, the people that do the best are the ones that are active. And you know, he's, well, I'll, you when you're walking on the floor, you're the act most. Yeah, that's the most active. Mm-hmm. Well, floor had a, a markings where you could walk a seventh you walk seven times around you walk a mile it's okay. a, you know it's it's got like 35 beds it's all restricted area so it was safe for you to you know with it's your safe for me to go out i didn't have to wear a mask outside the room i just walked around it was fantastic i listened to music my headset to keep me going you know my bluetooth and all and it made it much it was better, and I think it may have had something to do with my good health as I went through it. Um, well, so, you know, one of the things I think you maybe we, we would be really helpful for folks, obviously you went into your transplant in good condition as somebody who exercises regularly, you know, try to eat right, maybe not too many donuts, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, all the things that we try to do to be, keep ourselves healthy, but... One of the things I think that it'd be maybe fun to talk about, not obviously you have a, a good relationship with your family and, you know, with all three of your kids getting tested, but, um, you know, what what things did you do? You listened to music to keep your spirits up. What what else, who else is in your support team? Well, I did have, I did have, um, you know, my wife was fab- fabulous and she came in most of the time, but we don't want to burden her because we are a little distance away. My, my children, were, I have one child that lives like, 10 minutes away and he came in virtually daily it was fabulous and my other children were just good too i mean you know you know um but i couldn't see my grandchildren they're too young so we they actually came up into the hallway and they and they we have a glass door and i could look out and, and see them i had friends that were that came by and they were able to come by uh, which was nice. I had relative, I have uh, two nieces in the area that that came by, um, and I think you know, and just the notes and all. It just and just maybe in my spirit, but it was. It, and the nurses are just very encouraging, very helpful. Great. Anything, ring the bell, and you know, and you know, and you don't like you you bothering them. They want to help you, and so it it all helps. That's great. So. You know, you had your transplant, that was in August, right? August of 2019. Right. I should also mention they have single rooms. It's awfully nice. 
in a TV, you know, and I had my, and I, and I got, and I had an iPad in the room for myself with Wi-Fi, so I could watch a video here and there if I wanted to, so I had all these things going for me. So you really went to, like, Transplant Club Med, is what you're saying. <laughs> I, I, you really want me to be honest. I was on the 10th floor, July 4th. I could see the fireworks from Boston. Oh, it was God. I love it. I love, I love that, you know, even in those, the days that might not have been so easy, you're finding those positive moments. I bet that had a lot to do with your recovery. I I think so. And, you know, I think there was one night that I was really sick and the chemo really, even though you're having chemo, it didn't really bother me that much. So it wasn't a miserable experience. And I think that's important to say. It was not a miserable experience because people think of chemo and how you know sick you're going to be. Never happened. Really sick. Okay. I think I threw up once, maybe in the whole time. It was really nothing. Wow, that's inspiring. Yeah. Well, and really, that's why we do why we want to do these podcasts is because we know that there's so many myths out there about what it's going to be like, and every patient's experience is different. The one thing I do want to mention too that was kind of difficult for me to understand is you're doing your chemo and they're getting you ready and you think oh you're going to be your blood cells are going to be killed and you're all set okay well guess what you get your transplant you find out that you're subject to two more days of intense chemo what with new blood it doesn't make sense but it did and what they what's happened in the industry in the medical field is they found out that you have to do an extra radiation after the transplant and that's what you know i'm sure all transplants are different different types but for my type for and i was well into the aml class remember acute myeloid leukemia uh, that's how they treat it now and one of the doctors that was involved with that developing that protocol was from John Hopkins. He happened to be there. And I said to him, How come your web your website says you do it on one you do it once after it? and he said, No, no, we found that doing it twice is better. And I had it for two days. Wow. Okay. So you just keep learning and, and that was very comforting to know that these weren't just these weren't arbitrary. These were things that they found uh, may have for better results. Well, I think that's important. And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying about, you know, you ended up in the clinical trial, um, yeah. you know, for the for the IDH1, IDH2 mutation. And while it worked and it worked, um, but then, you know, your blast count increased, flipping you from MDS to AML. And so there's a new, you know, that's when, Obviously, the transplant option became a viable option for you based on your condition. So, and, and based on that remission, and based on the fact that my drug that I got was approved a year and a half ago by the FDA. That's how quick it was. It is always changing, and we're always excited when we talk to patients like you who've done clinical trials because clinical trials really are the hope of the future for patients. And we are, right. you know. We're, we always are talking to pharmaceutical companies and patients about the importance of if you are able and it is appropriate to your health condition to do clinical trials because the more we know, you know, this is how we learn is, is when we try different treatment options and folks are willing to, you know, give it a go. Um, I did. And I'm very grateful to Celgene who you, who you mentioned earlier. And right now I am, they, they, 
when you finish, you say, well, you're all set. Your mutation is gone, which is true. Right. However, they wanted to do a clinical trial to see if, it would, if by continuing the same drug, it would do better. Okay. And so I'm on that. I'm on that clinical trial now. Um, it's for a year. Neat. So far, I'm six months into it, and the results are great. So, but real quick, cool, just I think maybe to wrap up, I you know you were diagnosed just a hair, just a little over a year ago, thirteen months ago, and yep. in oh, let me do the math in August. Um, so five months ago, you had a bone marrow in July, July third, July third, yeah. And you got out of the in, hospital less than a month later. Yep. And if I recall right, didn't you call us from the gym the other day? <laughs> I might have. Yeah, I'm not going to give up. Yeah, life is still goes on. I do. I'm back to where I was for a while. It's interesting when I first went back to the gym, where they were kind of being cautious and saying, "We'll stay away from the locker room and don't get the germs." We have a nice track. I walked the track. I was, well, I actually got out in the summer, which is wonderful because I I could walk in my neighborhood. Sure. And and then. As the weather gets bad, you don't want to do that. I could walk on the track. I'd stay away from the things they told me to stay away from. And then as time goes on, you start to migrate back. Now I'm totally myself. I'm no different than before I went in. That's amazing. And it is it is so good to hear. And, um, you know, I think that's really inspirational for folks. And, and, and to think about it, you know, you don't always think that your children might be your match for a, tra- for, for a transplant. And in this oh, case, your son was. My son saved my life. I think this is a, it's a neat story. And I think it's one that as time goes on and as we learn more, whether it's through clinical trial or looking at data, more and more patients who are um, over 40 will be doing transplant um, to treat their disease and, and will have the same successful outcomes that you are having. So we're just, we were just hoping that we can make a comment on that. You go right ahead. My doctor, I could bless him. He had a fight for me to get the transplant because it's seven, I was 76 and they had a cutoff of 75. I think there's no more cutoff because he in, interceded for, for me and they realized that they should just, it wasn't, the age was not the issue. Absolutely. And, and there's just a recent study that came out that we actually just interviewed someone about, but there's a recent study that basically says that age is not the primary consideration in transplant, it's the other health conditions. You're, you you were an ideal candidate and, and, and were probably one of those cases that went into the consideration matrix or the, the analysis um, so that in the future that more and more patients who are sim- in a similar situation to you will be able to consider this kind of, of a treatment option for their disease. So from high-risk MDS to AML uh, to transplant to going back to living your life all within like 13 months. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) I feel that way. I feel very fortunate, very grateful every day. Well, we're really glad that you're with us and that, that, that we've gotten to know you over the last year. And, um, you know, I think that your story can give hope to people who are in similar spaces and are looking for a little inspiration. So thank you for being with us today, Elliot. It was really great to hear your story and, and just to end 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 this with such a positive note. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Anytime I can be helpful. Thanks so much. You have a fabulous day. Okay. Bye-bye. Right, bye. <laughs>